Welcome to Conversations About Life, Episode 3. And I'm just really glad to be here with Billy Jackson, my son, and his lovely wife, Sarah Jackson. And uh, well, thanks, Billy and Sarah, for joining me with this conversation about life. Well, we're happy to be here, and, and it's cool to be part of Episode number 3. I listened to the first one, it was really interesting, and I have been really wanting to listen to the second one. It looks really interesting. Okay, thank you. Well, Billy and Sarah live on the campus of the Rio, Gan Rio Grande Bible College on the southern border of Texas. The Rio Grande Bible College trains people for Christian service among Spanish-speaking people, and Billy leads the video and photography team to propagate classes through video and promote the school through video and photography. And they also have three very cute children. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Billy and Sarah, um, just as a way for starting off, um, do you have any favorite proverbs or favorite Bible verses or, or favorite quotes or anything like that that you would like to, to mention? Who should go first? Um, you can go first. I mean, okay, yeah, go ahead. okay. So my favorite Bible verse is a proverb. Okay, Proverbs four, chapter four, verse eighteen, which says, "But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which grows brighter and brighter until the full day." And the first time I read, I read and stopped on that uh, verse and thought about it. I was in Texas in the valley, and uh, on near the border. And um, I, it stuck out to me as a promise that if we are in Christ, counted as righteous, there's no, uh, you know, times may look darker or brighter as we move forward, but the full day is ahead of us. In this life, the full day is always ahead of us. So it was an, it was an encouragement in a time where I didn't know where, what direction my life was headed. I didn't know what I planned to do with my life or what my life work would be, or even what the next steps would be, um, but just an encouragement to to keep moving forward and know that the best is still ahead. So this must have been when you were in Texas on a, a mission trip before going to the Rio Grande Bible College? Yeah, I think it was 2010 or 11 um, that we were in the 12, Bali. 12. It was January of 2012. And it was our f uh, first team... Uh, team mission trip uh, to the valley, to the U.S. side, because a couple of years earlier we had a run-in with the drug cartel in mm -hmm. Mexico, mm -hmm. so we began working on the U.S. side, and um, Sarah was on part of that team, and we were a very small team, six of us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is um, a hopeful proverb in just... Um, thinking that we're moving forward, mm -hmm. life is growing brighter, mm -hmm. uh, what God has in store for us mm -hmm. is good. It helps, keep the, it helps keep the big picture in mind, too, kind of. just Right. And also, you know, reading the New Testament, where Christ is referred to as the light uh, so much, and his, his return will be kind of that, that full day, in my mind, at least. You know? I see. Hmm. Well, Sarah? Anything come to mind as far as a quote, Bible verse, or anything like that? So, 
I don't know if it's my favorite Bible verse, but it, at one time it was like definitely my favorite Bible verse, and it's really funny because um, it seems like throughout my life it keeps coming back, but um, it's Psalm, Psalm 3 verse 5. And it says, um, I lay down and slept. I awoke again for the Lord sustained me. And it's like a very random verse. But I used to have a lot of nightmares. And um, when I would wake up, I would just read through the Bible to calm down. And so I, at some point I got to, you know, like if I started in the Psalms, I got to three pretty fast. And I would read that verse. And it was just a comfort to me, like, that I could sleep and trust that God was going to get me through the night and the more the sun would come up and, you know, this was all fake and I would know that. So eventually my nightmares, you know, went away, but it seems like throughout my life that, so now like sometimes I have anxiety or something, it seems like the Lord always brings me back to that verse of just trusting you can lie down and sleep and when you wake up, and I know I'm not, in David's situation at all when he wrote that psalm or anything, but it's it's been an encouragement to me a lot, a lot more than I ever expected. Hmm. So were nightmares just like something you went through for a short while, or did it last for a longer time? Um, I don't know. I had them... Pretty frequently growing up, and it does seem like there was a year or two where they were a, a very regular hmm. part of sleeping. <laughs> hmm. But yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned that we're not in David's situation, and uh, we're not in this exact situation. But I think just the common lot of life is that you know we have to. Um, trust in God. I mean, there's really um, no other, um, I mean, we're all facing, you know, struggles in life. And then there's always, there's the, you know, growing older and weaker. And I mean, we, so anyway, there's a need for all of us um, to, you know, find peace and, and hope and something to hold on to that's greater than just this life itself. You know, mm-hmm. so there's, it's kind of a common what are some things in your life that has had a significant impact on you Um, you want to start Billy hmm okay so um, things in my life that have had a significant impact on me I think uh, two big things from early life would be uh, being homeschooled and um, learning how to learn on my own, learning that you can learn through books, uh, and learning to love to read, that kind of thing. And then also um, probably working with you as a wedding photographer, when otherwise I don't know that I would have practiced and been so diligent to, to learn photography if I hadn't been working as your assistant for, for a few years, you know. So I think those would probably be the two big things besides, um, well, in in early years, um, growing up in a Christian home, uh, being saved, 
uh, that kind of thing. But yeah. Okay. And Sarah. So what was the question exactly? Yeah. Uh, what are some things in your life that it had that has had a significant impact on you? I don't know. I mean, there. I feel like there are a lot of things that have had impact on my life. Um, I mean, the first the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, when my my biological dad passed away when I was little, and I know that's had a really big <laughs> impact on me. Um, but like so far, it's more positive things, <laughs> I guess. Um, Definitely being homeschooled and growing up in church, like growing up um, at Rockport, I feel like because it really helped, it really sh did shape who I was in a lot of ways. Um, and I guess being around a lot of different women throughout my life, like just watching how... Um, my mom and her friends and my grandmothers, like, that stands out to me a lot. Just seeing people live their life um, as I was growing up. And I guess just because I was a girl with my mom, I got to see the woman side of it more. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I feel like that's, that's had a significant impact. <laughs> How old were you when your biological dad died? I was... Six. Okay. And were you close to him? Yeah. My, um, my parents were both divorced and remarried by then, so I'm not entirely sure how often it was that I saw him. I'm guessing on the weekends, but, um, I know it was a regular thing. I saw him pretty frequently. But, um, yeah. He was, he was a really cool guy. <laughs> he, was, he was really funny. Yeah. And I thought he could do anything, you know. <laughs> so how did that impact your life? Was Are you just referring to the sorrow and the, the loss? Or, yeah. I mean, like the loss of him. How did that impact your life? Yeah. Um, well, it, I feel like it made me really... Um, I don't know how to put it. It made me crave um, consistency in a way, but not like um, not necessarily in a, like things needed to be organized or on a certain schedule. But just I wanted to trust that things would stay the way I left them in a way like relationships. I, I wanted a lot of security and I, I feel like I was like that a little bit to begin with. Like I'm, I was always someone who, um, trust was really important to me. Cause I remember, um, whenever I found out that Santa Claus wasn't real, it was like earth shattering to me. And that was before he passed away. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it made me, uh, I don't, I'm not sure how to describe it, but like I, I, I was always, um, 
don't know. I guess I look forward um, more now probably than then because I have a clear idea. But I look forward to the time when um, all things fit together and... I don't there there is no more sorrow or death or loss or uncertainty but and I, I had that sort of feeling before just I remember I wanted my two lives my my life with my mom and my life with my dad like I always wanted that to fit together somehow but I feel like especially after he passed away I just felt very alone in a lot of ways and but I can also see how it was the Lord used it. I don't want to say it was good for me, but but I can see how like um oh what's the book that was written by um Steve Saint, the the son of the pilot that was killed in Ecuador. Um he he said something at the end of the book how he was um he wouldn't change what the Lord did. Like, but when he was little, he would have done, given anything mm-hmm. to change it. And I, I, even though had, my dad wasn't a missionary, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I can see how the Lord, and like sometimes I wish I could change it. Like, I wish I could see him be a grandpa. But in other ways, like, I can see how the Lord has used it to make me, um, have an idea of what people feel whenever they have loss or, um, and just really just long for heaven <laughs> in a way that I definitely wouldn't have up to this point, I guess, hmm. otherwise. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned like your, um, mom and relationships with other women. So what was that like, or how did that impact you just seeing that? Um, so I feel like, um, I got to be a part because my mom was saved when I was younger. She was saved just, I was saved when I was, oh, how old was I? Five, I think. And, um, my mom was a baby Christian at that time. So I've gotten to sort of see how the Lord has, has grown her in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I've kind of seen different stages, I guess, of that. So like, for example, I remember there's like a more, she would tell you, there's like a, a slightly more legalistic phase. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of, um, just a lot of people, you know, they're like, you can only wear dresses and, and, you know, different different things and like this was godliness or whatever which I was never a fan of (laughs) at all Mm -hmm. but um and that more probably because I was a rebel than because I thought it was legalism but um anyway I so I was able to kind of see from afar how um how women shape their families even though even especially very often, like in these legalistic things, it was the, the wife, it felt like a lot, maybe not always, but very often it was like the wives were the ones that were bringing all of these rules, which is really funny because a lot of times it was so much like the husband should be in charge of every finance and very, you know, a lot of, you know, taking like headship to like kingship almost Mm -hmm. in some ways. 
and it was like pushing their husbands. Sometimes it felt like into positions that they were not comfortable with and did not, you know, but that was godliness in a way. So anyway, so I could see how, um, how as women we can, we, we really affect the heart of our families and you can see, I don't know how you can make them happier or sadder and how, um, we tend to feel a lot. There is a lot of emotion and feeling, it seems like, in womanhood. And that's not, when I was growing up very often, I, I felt like that was kind of a weak thing. I mean, and in a way, we are the weaker vessel, and if it's connected with that, but that is not really weakness. You just have to learn to control it just like anything else. But it can really be an asset because you can feel what other people are feeling so often. And it's not just in womanhood, but it just seems like that, that is part of it is to take care of others emotionally. Anyway, that would probably be the biggest takeaway I had from, from watching the women around me. Okay, well, thank you. Anything um, you wish would have been uh, different in your growing up experience? Um, any thoughts, Billy? Um, I, when you s stated that earlier, I couldn't really think of anything because off the top of my head, I always wanted to play organized sports growing up, mm -hmm. and I didn't get to do that too much because I was always competitive, you know, and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but now it's not as big a deal. I enjoy getting to play the sports on campus and stuff like that uh, with the students and things. Yeah. And it, uh, so, but as far as things that were different, you know, I don't know. It's so hard to say. Like, I could wish, like, that we went on mission trips or something like that as a family, like Sarah's family did, but I don't <laughs> know that that really would have necessarily been good for uh or changed what what has happened now you know and that kind of thing or yeah. where we're at now mm -hmm. so no nothing comes to top of my mind i guess okay maybe like lots of little things but nothing. <laughs> <laughs> anything come to your mind sir um I mean, I wish I would have, like, paid more attention to things and actually, like, believed whenever people would tell me, I don't know, like, waking up early is good or, you know, things along those lines. I wouldn't have to just experience them, but that's also just how I am. I don't think anything anybody did could have could have made me a different person, really. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's all kinds of personal things, like being more disciplined, yeah. learning to play an instrument. Yeah. Which is being more disciplined. <laughs> I wish that I would have guessed, stuck through a lot more, mm -hmm. maybe. Because I was really bad about not sticking like, with things. Oh, yeah. But. Are there any books that's been influential uh, 
on your life? I mean, you know, this, of course the Bible has, but anything else um, has had a significant impact on your life? Really? Um, for me, you know, my favorite story besides the Bible is L The Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think I was, I was probably somewhere between 13 and 15 when you told me, you know, if I studied the Bible as well as I studied The Lord of the Rings, <laughs> I would be a lot better off or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I think I was like on my third time through, you know, and because uh, I think I started reading them when I was, um, oh, I had read them when I was 11, because in 2001 is when the movie came out. And my friend was telling me the movie, The Lord of the Rings is coming out, and I didn't believe him. I told him it had to be something different, something <laughs> else, because there's no way you could make a movie of this story. But, um, and I loved it because uh, it, again, capture it, it, there was a story that so much was wrapped up in it about the big picture. There's so many little details, so many little sacrifices, so many little people, but um, that are doing something that affects the whole world. And also, I really liked J.R. Tolkien and his writing because when he created the story, he had it inside of a world that he had also created with its own language, its own history, its own people. And, um, yeah, so I, um, I'm not like super good necessarily at seeing the big picture always, but I like to be able to see the big picture and keep that in view. So, so anyway, yeah. Well, Sarah, anything has had a significant impact on your life as far as books? I know they have, but I can't think <laughs> of which ones right now. Right. Okay. <laughs> Well, any thoughts about your relationship with God when it comes to like personal experience? I mean, are there times or have there been when it seems to you that you're experiencing God? Yeah. Do you want to go first this time? Hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There you go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can go first if you have. I don't know. So times that I feel like I'm experiencing God. Yeah. I guess lots, mostly in His um, provision, just yeah. in different ways. There's so many times that the Lord provides. And looking back, you can always look back and see it easier than than in the moment a lot of times. But um, where we're at right now at the Rio Grande Bible College, uh, so much is dependent on the Lord's provision. Just mm -hmm. uh, with even um, for the students that come for training, we depend on the Lord through the process of them applying for visas, um, gathering financial support, um, going through all the different steps to get there. And we believe the Lord has us there for the purpose of training pastors and missionaries. Um, but, uh, you know, that's dependent on the Lord bringing us students to train. And, hence, and, and then with, depending on the Lord for fi the financial, um, needs for, for buildings, for projects, for everything. And then personnel as well. So, like, cause, RGBI works as a with missionaries, the professors, the the maintenance workers, and everything. So, um, so anyway, we're in a place 
and I'm I'm thankful for this, uh, just that we're in a place where we we get to see the Lord's provision and the Lord's people depend on Him for provision every day, mm-hmm. and in lots of big ways as well as small ways. So, and then also seeing the Lord work in um, students' lives as they're growing and. Um, they get excited when they put into practice the things they've been learning in the classroom and stuff. Mm-hmm. And being able to be part of that is all... Um, and be, being able to be friends with them, you know, not just part of that from the outside, but from the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that is a blessing and experiencing the Lord's work in us. Mm-hmm. I feel like... Um... Most often whenever I feel like I'm experiencing God, it's after He brings me through something very hard. Mm-hmm. So, um, like after I'm fully recovered from um, having a baby and getting through any postpartum depression or anything like that, it's like once those clouds break and I'm like, I realize I have survived and I can, you know, because all through that situation i might i'm trying to cling to him but kind of sometimes wondering if you are if he's really you, know, you trust that he's hearing you but then is he you know you just have to keep going in faith that you'll make it through and that he really is there and then it's like you come through and you can see oh like i could see how you made me a better person through this and you never left us. And even though it felt like I was completely alone, and at the end of my rope, you were there. And I feel like that's, I guess I am experiencing him all the way through, but I feel it the most at those times, like the most clearly. And huh. and then you yeah, have just normal day to day. Could go one way or the other, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. One of our favorite family songs is... Um, Ready for the storm? Is that yeah. it? By Rich Mullins. Mm-hmm. And it talks about getting blown around like a sailor in the in the wind with nothing to hold on to, and um, and then just but like the chorus is saying you're ready for the storm, but the verses talk about how like you just you you're have not handling the storm, <laughs> <super well. laughs> right? And you have no no hope, but then at the end, like. Well, I had no reason to doubt. You, yeah, I had no you were, reason to be frightened. I had no reason to be frightened. After the storm's over, then you realize. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like the clouds have broke and the sun's come through and everything. So, um, but anyway, the babies could, could sing that for you. It's <laughs> really cute. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts about the political climate that we've been in for the last few years concerning illegal entry into the United States, um, the wall that President Trump has talked about, and the recent caravan, and so forth. That's a lot. (laughs) Do you have any thoughts? First, because if I start talking, I might just talk for a while. So you should Um, go first. So I still feel like I don't have the most clear picture of everything. Not like I want to, I guess. Um, I know that, you know, I, I would much rather that everything is legal than legally, but then I also know that it's very difficult for 
Latinos to, to come to the United States legally. And I feel like a lot more difficult than a lot of people realize. Um, but then I also know that they're, I feel like I can, I can see both sides of the coin in a way. Like I, I understand that, um, there are reasons for a lot of the loopholes. Um, the loopholes or not the loopholes, the red tape. The, the wrong, red tape, wrong, the regulations, yeah. yes, thank you. All, all the all the hoops they have to the jump hoops, through. Yeah, you know the circular things that make things <laughs> tricky. <laughs> but um, uh, I don't I don't really know what I think about the wall. I don't know if it will. I um I think it will probably help in in some ways. I. It, it does seem, I don't know what the solution would be, but it feels a lot more like um, if somehow you could take away the control of the cartels, it would be a lot more effective than building a wall. Because I think that the drug cartels will find ways to get people in anyway, and that's the main way that, that people seem to come in. Like, I, mm -hmm. I think they'll always find a way. There's always corruption somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it seems more about corruption mm -hmm. sometimes than physical barriers, you know? Yeah. Hmm. And, yeah. um, so far as the caravan, I think it's sad. A lot of it's sad. Um, the, I, I believe there are a lot of, of real families and there there is truly there are people trying to escape and they're doing what they can to survive for them and their family but also that there are other people that are not good you know the bad guys and very often that's what you see like i've seen videos that were you know them tearing up the gates of mexico and stuff that just are, it's really sad because that's representing the people who are just trying, you know, they, they've heard that the U.S. is safe and so they're trying to get there. And, but then there are all of these others that are, I guess, ruffians, you know, that's sad more than anything. Okay. Thanks. Do you have any thoughts, Billy? Um, I'm not super informed on all the political aspect of everything, mm -hmm. but as far as like, um, I, I wish people would be able to come and investigate for themselves and see what happens for themselves instead of being informed by Facebook or mm -hmm. by politicians or politics, just because, um, what's talked about and what actually happens are, are different, look really different, um, and I think there are lots of good things that are happening at the border with taking care of people in different ways, uh, refugees coming in and things like that. Mm -hmm. And not all of that is, is um, the government. A lot of it is the church in different mm -hmm. ways being active and taking care of people. Um, for, for missionaries and for, and for the church, there's a lot of potential just to help people in need on both sides of the border and share the gospel. And that's... Um, you know, a lot of staff and students at uh, the Rio Grande Bible College are involved in that. And um, 
Okay, so and, and what the original question was just asking about the political climate, uh, immigration, and and the caravan, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I agree with a lot of what Sarah said. Oh, yay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, just that it is, it is hard. Uh, a lot of the students that apply for student visas, you know, it's only on the second or third application doing the exact same thing. Um that they're accepted and so and when and also sometimes will our our new students coming in the number drops sometimes not just because of visas being denied but because of the fear of them being denied as well because it, uh, there's not always a reason given or actually I don't think most of the time there's an explanation for why visas are denied a lot of times and you're out all the money and it costs a lot of money for just to apply. Yeah, mm-hmm. just to apply for, for visas. So, yeah. You know, you both have mentioned, like, being saved, and then you mentioned sharing the gospel. And just for anyone who may be listening who are unfamiliar with, you know, just what that's referring to, these terms are referring to, you know, the Christian faith and being saved is referring to the need of humanity to be reconciled with God, and the gospel is Jesus um, dying for sins and that and being resurrected again. And in that, there's that there's reconciliation between God and man. And it's just the, the essential aspect of the, the Christian faith. Is there anything you'd want to add to that, either of you? I, just, I was just wanting to say that to kind of clarify, yeah. you know, gospel and being saved. Yeah, and just being, for me, a big part of my um, conversion and salvation was realizing that it is being part of the big picture. It's like living uh, for Christ, giving all your all of yourself, your life to Christ, is to be part of His kingdom and something that will last forever, that it has uh, true love, and um, and to... Not be part of that is to be without purpose, I guess, in this okay. life. Okay, thanks. Well, what would you like, like you're a, a familiar with Christians there in your church and in the area on the campus and just, is there anything that you just see that you kind of think, well, you would like to see more of among um, the Christians in your area? Um, there, either in southern Texas or up here, both, or it might be different. Just any thoughts kind of along those lines? Okay, so either way, like something we see there that we would like to see other places or something we would like to see more of there? <clears throat> well, I was kind of combining two different uh, questions. <laughs> like, let's start with there, okay. among the Christians there. Just anything that you would like to see more of? That's a good question. Yeah. Like it. Mm. Well, for the Spanish-speaking church, there's a need for more leaders, mm-hmm. people that can are, are can preach the Bible, and not just preach, but also lead others in in following God and um, and disciple making and, and things like that. Um, there, so there's that need, and not just and also not just people that pastors that kind of float around or leaders that kind of float around but are dedicated to 
to a church or to to individuals. Mm -hmm. So there's that need. Do you? Is there anything that you see? Um. I'm not sure. Sometimes organization. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh. Some. You know. Let. Latinos have a more loose schedule a lot of times. And so, like, um, they say uh, Americans have all the clocks and Latinos have all the time. <laughs> um, uh, that's a saying. And so, but there's good and, and bad to that in that they have relationships being more important. You know, America, uh, in the United States, we miss relationships a lot of time because we're so busy. But at the same time, they do appreciate when Americans can come in and get a project done and get it done on schedule, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so sometimes organiz uh, organizational skills and that kind of thing. But that that's also part of, of culture and priorities. And um, But then it's also interesting to see how in the church you have people growing in the Christian culture, which means that you will learn to value people, and you also learn to value time and 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 organization. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, but so you can for our, from our perspective, we get to see people growing from both coming from both directions, growing in those areas. Mm -hmm. But uh, but sometimes organization and schedules and things like that, you could hope to see more of. And, and but to the other question, I don't know if we're jumping ahead, but uh, coming back here to Missouri and to the United States is like uh, sometimes it's really is really beautiful in the church when we see family, like big families or different families being closely connected. But um, just to know that the possibility for more is there because we can see it in the Hispanic culture. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're referring to like relationships among people mm -hmm. and just depending on each other being open and warm with each other and um and that kind of thing mm -hmm. do you want to give something to say on that on those lines or or if you have thoughts from before you can say that too um, first i would i would agree with what you're saying for sure and um i was just thinking about how um, uh, because I'm learning Spanish, I don't communicate super well and it's not very fluid a lot of the time. And whenever you can tell a really big difference in how someone is thinking about you, I guess, because when, when someone doesn't speak your language, it can be very easy to think less of them. Even, and I've, I realized that about myself through this experience that I didn't, I would never have suspected that I thought less of someone's intelligence or anything because their English was bad or because they couldn't speak English. You know, I was only communicating with them in another language, but then they'll, they'll learn English and they'll start speaking English. And all of a sudden I realize I've put them on another level. Hmm. And that was a shock for me personally. And I've felt it from the other way quite often like there are some people even in the church that like, I think they think that they are treating me really well but I know other people who really um they talk to me like like a sister in Christ not like a little kid 
VBS or something, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it's made me a lot more aware of just how, um, not just in the valley, but just everywhere, I feel like the church universal probably could really use the, of remembering that this person is a, a human made in the image of God and a soul, and even mm-hmm. if they're not speaking clearly, they have all of the value of anyone else, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, it's easy to say that, but you don't realize how yeah. many little uh, thoughts and ideas you have hidden in your in your perspective until yes. you start interacting in some of exactly. these situations. Mm-hmm. And when we say the valley, we mean the Rio Grande the Rio Valley, Grande valley. Mm-hmm. Yes. along the border of the Rio Grande, Rio Grande River. Mm-hmm. I guess I shouldn't say. Was Rio Rio Grande, <laughs> Rio Bravo, <laughs> Rio Bravo. Yeah. Anyway, so so I take it from what you said that Christians in, down there where you're living at are in the church are more warmer toward one another. Relationships are closer than mm. they tend to be up here. Yeah, like um, just uh, like and that comes a lot from the Latino culture. Like you know just greeting each other all like making it a point to greet everyone in the room um depending on each other and not sometimes it's not necessarily that uh like in the culture at large in general it's not necessarily that there's more uh love being shared but a lot of times there is but it's just that there's more dependency mm-hmm. in that like you know when when a, a hispanic family a latino family is traveling they are look they will plan and to stay in the homes of family and friends and friends of friends and friend of fa- family um as a as the first option a hotel is a as a last option you know just because you can trust family and friends better than you can trust a stranger so why wouldn't you go to them first you know and um so things things like that Well, here's just kind of a, a couple kind of questions I asked you know, Ellie and Johnny in previous episodes, the same question. But Well, actually, I haven't asked this question yet, but if this was the last year of your life, describe what it would look like. I should have a ready answer for that, because I've actually thought of that a couple of times. Um getting ready for the new year <laughs> um, well hopefully I think hmm I would I would want to leave so the, I guess like the last year of my life or the whole world's life like if this <laughs> that would make a difference probably right um, I was more of thinking like last year for your life I think is what I was going to think that's what I was thinking too but yeah, so I, I think I would want to um, leave a favorable impression on everyone. <laughs> I'd want to give lots of hugs and be very present in conversations mm-hmm. and, and life and not just be on my phone or distracted, mm-hmm. especially with my kids, I think. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about that recently. I don't feel like I spend a lot of time on my phone or anything, but... I do spend a lot of time just overall distracted. 
and I would like to be very more more involved in the lives around me this coming year, whether it's the last one or not, <laughs> but especially here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and that goes back to like what what I was just saying. Like, I think if it was the last year of my life, I would probably act more like a Latino does when he <laughs> sees his family. You know, there's like big hugs and and things like that, and and trying to help others, be intentional and in, in helping my family, and that kind of thing. Um, I'd probably try to get a will ready. <laughs> um, and it, it's interesting to just think about it because I haven't, I haven't really thought about that at all recently. But like, you know, some of my New Year's resolution ideas, I usually don't actually make a resolution list <laughs> or anything, but um, include like trying to be physically fit and things like that. But if it was the last year of my life, I probably wouldn't concentrate on that too much, <laughs> my <laughs> exercise, <laughs> but more uh, family um at the school, trying to train others, I guess, with and share whatever I do know. Um, being really open and honest and ready to talk with strangers they come in contact with and not being mm. so afraid of what they think about me or so concerned with what they think about me. Um, those would be... Which is crazy because you, to me, just seem like... You're just so brave and open and you don't care what other people think like compared to me. But I still do but, care a yeah, lot about what true. people think about me more than I should most most times probably as far as strangers go. Um, yeah. We were, we were having this discussion the other day, the difference between us us two and that I am a like a more of a people person, like extrovert, and mm -hmm. Sarah's more of an introvert in that um, she likes people but it costs energy and... and and just mental mental energy to be with other people. While with me, I am often energized to be with other people. You know, it's uh, and but uh, but the flip side of that is that I care less about what other people think and feel, and she cares so much about what everyone <laughs> thinks and feels. <laughs> you know, so yeah. If you could go back to some point in your life and say something to yourself, at what point would you go back, and what would you say? For me, I would go back to early teenage years and say um, that it, part of being saved is a decision and that it's worth it to just give everything to Christ. There's not anything outside of Christ worth pursuing. And so make up your mind sooner rather than later about pursuing Christ and living all for Christ. And... Um, and just avoiding, uh, and in that way, avoiding some of the damage I did to myself, some of the time wasted, and um, uh, through sin and through just uh, not not living for Christ in the way I should have been. So I think that's what, because in my early teenage years, you know, um, I I did pray the sinner's prayer. I did pray asking God to save me, but. I wasn't ready to give up living for myself. But at the same time, I didn't know what I was living for besides myself, you know. So anyway, I think that's what I would have tried to say to myself. I don't know if it would have helped or not, but that's what I would have been saying to myself. Right. Well, I used to think that I would go back and tell my 
my 12-year-old self to just calm down and be patient because I was going to get Billy Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Not be worried because I feel like I spent like my whole teen years wondering who I was going to marry. Like that was a waste of time. It could have been worse, but you know, it was a waste of time. But now I think I would probably go to right after Mary, our oldest child, was born. Um, and tell myself that, um, that it's, <laughs> that I was depressed <laughs> and that it was going to be okay. Um, cause it was a, it was a really hard time in my life. Um, the, mostly because I, I was dealing with depression, but I didn't realize that anything was abnormal. I thought that was just I'm a mom now and I just see the world differently <laughs> and I see it as very bleak and scary and overwhelming and I might go crazy, but, um, does I tell myself to just talk to people and, and be open to people helping me, that it's not failing mm. if someone helps you, mm-hmm. but God made us to need to be helped and to mm-hmm. help each other. So oh, it's yeah. not you're not failing at life if you need somebody to wash your dishes or hold your baby or if you don't know what to do because God didn't make us that we do know everything to do. He put give us communities and himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something we still have to work on uh-huh. today <laughs> and it's going to be another big challenge in the next semester yeah. is being able to depend on others graciously uh-huh. <laughs> um, because uh, I'm going to be working full-time, and Sarah's going to be going back to college full-time to finish the Spanish program. So we're going to be kind of put back in that position a little bit. So hopefully I'll remember that. (laughs) And, and, you know, again, like a lot of people on uh, the students on campus and the married students, you know, they have a network of Facebook groups and stuff, and they depend on each other all the time, like even asking for eggs, asking for this or that, everything, you know, just all the little things that you could need in life, people and, share with each yeah, other. If I don't have a teaspoon of cinnamon, then I leave it out of the recipe. Right. You know, but, you know, but we don't like, does we anybody don't have a teaspoon of cinnamon? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Come and get it. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So. It's just more cilantro than cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that you guys want to say here before we kind of start wrapping up? I feel like there's lots and lots I could say, but I don't want to go on forever. So um, I I I like um, now that I have gone through some of this experience of learning Spanish. You know, I was never really super interested in learning Spanish before, but learning language, specifically Spanish, but learning language I was kind of interested in, but not from a book. I was not so much interested mm-hmm. in learning from a book, but. Um, the opportunity to learn a language and realizing that language is always connected to culture. You can't really, it's, you can't really separate a language from its culture because a language is an expression of people. People are using language sounds to express themselves. So it's connected to who they are. And as a group of people use, when it use a language to talk to each other, it's expressing who that, what that group of people looks like. So when you learn a language, you're learning about a people. And you have, you have to learn about them to be able to use the language correctly, to yeah. use the language well. So, um, and then, uh, learning that and then realizing that <clears throat> language 
is not a man-made thing. Just that really being driven home that language is not just taking, like just finishing a task. To learn a language is not finishing a task in front of you. It's to put yourself into something bigger than you and experience it, grow in it, uh, learn to be more calm and more comfortable in it, you know, while it's really uncomfortable at first to be in a new language. Um, but, and realize that, that God made language and that, uh, it's, it's just something bigger. We won't get to the end of it, um, in, in our lifetime, but that, that's okay. You know, you can, you can still grow in it. So I really appreciated, um, the opportunity to learn Spanish and I, it would be cool to have the opportunity to learn another language. And I feel like, you know, when you learn one, you have more, you know, more of what's needed to learn a language after the first part, because we didn't learn our first language the same way, learning the parts of speech and stuff like that. But, um, I don't know if that will happen or not. But anyway, that's just something that I've really enjoyed about the work we've been part of and stuff. Cool. Any last thoughts, Sarah? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I have like a little outro written up, but just want to say, you know, I admire you guys and the love you have for each other and how you're... Well, thank you. <laughs> you did a really good job. Thank you, Billy. Um, well, um, Billy and Sarah, uh, getting to the place where you are now at the Rio Grande Bible College is quite an accomplishment and speaks of your endurance and faithfulness. And I like how you are investing into your children, loving them, and raising them in a loving home. You're doing a good job. Okay, thanks, guys. <laughs> well, thank th you, thank so you for the opportunity to be, to be part of this. Oh, thank you. <laughs>